Everybody and welcome back to Bench Busted Season 2. As always, I'm Nick and I'm joined by Jack. Jack, we're halfway through a double game week at the moment. How are you doing? How's it going? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. As you say, you know, we are in the midst of the biggest double game week of the season. Double game week 36. As it always tends to be towards the end of the season, we always uh, end up having a, a big double game week. Obviously, this season we've had a lot more sort of, I wouldn't say smaller double game weeks, but a lot more uh, teams doubling where we perhaps wouldn't in a normal season, of course, due to the COVID postponements and everything that happened earlier on in the season. But yeah, you know what? I'm I'm doing okay. It's difficult to describe how the team's doing because obviously, as you say, you know, we are still in the middle of the game weekend and we still have, what is it, four or five games left to play and, and a lot of players in both of our teams are, are still left to play as well. So yeah, I guess, uh, you know, the next couple of days will really be uh, how we can judge how this game week has gone. Yeah, well, not even just the next couple of days. I think this evening is when all the big games happen, when all of our sort of important players play. And then tomorrow we've just got the the the, the North London derby. And, phew, well, everyone owns Son, everyone owns Saka, and uh, only, a, only a special few own Sessegnon, which we'll get onto in a second, I suppose. Only the geniuses own Nketiah, mate. That's all I want to say as well. Yeah, well, that defines the game week. So you're doing all right. I think you're on 62 points. I'm on 50, and Nketiah scored 13, who you own and I don't, whereas Jay Rodriguez, who I do own, scored zero. So in my mind, we're basically doing the same as each other, except my crap forward hasn't scored 13 and your crap forward has scored. That's it. That's hey, the only hey, difference. Hey, 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 crap forward. Look, listen, I, I understand that, you know, Nketiah is not the first player that springs to mind when you think about a goal scoring forward. And, and I understand that. But recently, you know, the way that Lacazette has been playing and the fact that he was out of form and, and obviously there was murmurings about Nketiah wanting a move away from the club and wanting to try and, you know, get regular first team football. I think now that... Arteta has put his faith in him over the last, you know, four or five game weeks. And obviously it's, it's paying dividends. I, I mean, I get it. You know, he's very much a streaky player. But I think over the last, uh, you know, four or five weeks where he has been playing, I think he has got two double digit returns. But in and amongst that, there's been smatterings of ones and two points. So I understand that he's a very, very much a bit of a streaky player. But when he's 5.6 million and he's getting a starting berth in a team like Arsenal, I mean, it's a no-brainer for me. Yeah, well, it does feel no-brainery, doesn't it? Um, I'd have done it. I'd have done the move if I could have afforded it. There was a point in time where I could have gone Broha to Nketiah, but I was just priced out of it before it could happen. And I didn't think it'd be worth taking hits for, especially when I've got transfer plans that are coming up this week. So I just made my plan and I stuck to it. And honestly, I don't really regret it. Um, it's just, it's, I mean, you, you never really expect anyone to score a brace. So the points gain was never really that large for me. And, and I thought, you know, you want, you own Saka, you might as well get away with it. But in that game, Jack, um, and this is the really important news, something we need to make sure gets carved into stone, gets remembered through the annums. <laughs> Gel start. Gel start. I te- you messaged me before, actually. You saw it before I did because I went to go check it. As I predicted, as I in my infinite genius and wisdom imparted to you, who you were worried that he wouldn't start, 
He obviously started. Quality player. And he got a good, what, 28, 29 minutes before he got subbed off? It was a um, disaster, wasn't it? That's just unlucky, to be honest. I mean, you know, that, that challenge from Ailing, which then forced Jesse March to bring on Pascal Stroik in place of uh, Joe Gelhart is, uh, I mean, it was a terrible challenge. Ailing, obviously, out now. Until the end of the season, you know, straight red card and, and he's going to miss the, the final three games for Leeds. So, I mean, obviously that, that is a big dent in Leeds' uh, hope for survival in the Premier League this season. But yeah, I mean, you'd like to think that he would be given another chance uh, when they do play Chelsea this evening. I think obviously Leeds still very much lacking at the back. So whether or not he, he does get a, a, another chance to start in that side is, I mean, it, it, you know, it, it remains to be seen. But it's just bad luck. It was bad luck. It was bad luck. I don't know if he would have necessarily gone on to return any points in that game. But at the end of the day, you have him in your squad because there's a chance of him potentially starting games. And he's also, what, 4.6, 4.7 million. So, you know, he's a cheap, budget-friendly striker who will allow you to do other things with the other players in your squad. So... At the end of the day, it is what it is. And yeah, I mean, fair play for calling it. And yeah, you know what? Any other day and uh, I'll be giving you a pat on the back. But unfortunately, he only got one point. So it's not to be. Not not to be just yet. I mean, he could he could play against Chelsea and he could, uh, you know, punish us Reese James owners and uh, wipe out the clean sheet later on this evening. But we'll see. Well, that's sort of the story of this, this podcast, I think. And, and this game week so far is that it's been... A reasonably disappointing game week in some ways for a lot of like the big players. Uh, as you said, James got one point in his first game. Alonso came off at half time, one point. Mount didn't start in that first Chelsea game, so that was a bit of a disaster. Robertson was rested last night. Salah only scored three points in total for the for the full game week, and I know a lot of people captained him. And the bad news does continue because uh, Saka is potentially out of the North London derby tomorrow as well. So. Uh, that plus, I don't know, like the other stuff like Trent scoring four points has meant that the game week's been quite low scoring so far. And the big the big scores will be from people who have weird players like Trossard or Kukurea, because obviously Brighton beat Man United 4-0. Can we just talk about that game? Because I, I didn't watch it, but I watched the highlights and my God, United looked bad. And honestly, if you're still holding out hope for big returns from the likes of Fernandez or Ronaldo, I don't know why you'd have anyone else on that side. Maybe you'd have De Gea. But if you're still holding on to them for the final two game weeks of the season, don't. That's that's my advice to anyone who's got a Man United player of any kind. You know, there's better players elsewhere. If you've got Ronaldo, switch to Kane. If you've got Fernandez, go to someone like Son. Go to someone like KDB if you can. Just get rid of the United players because, honestly, they look lost at sea. They look like they're already on the beach. They're, there's no hope for them to get uh, Champions League football anymore. Obviously, they are still going to try and fight for Europa League um, for next season. But at the end of the day, it's 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 a massive, massive sell for me. And, yeah, to be honest, you know, at the start of the season, we, we were talking about potentially holding on to the likes of Fernandez for you know, for, for the majority of the season. But it's just not worked out for him. The inclusion of Ronaldo in there as well has maybe taken the spotlight away from him somewhat. But that, that team at the moment is just not gelling. And you know what? Fair play to Brighton. Four goals at home to United. Cucurella and Casado 
scoring their first goals for Brighton as well. So, I mean, yeah, there's not really much more you can say about that game. It was just an, an unbelievable display from Brighton. Yeah, I, I did think Trossard was actually almost slightly fortunate to get as many returns as he did, but he did look electric. And um, I think some options there definitely for next next season. Although if you do own United assets and you are listening to this, why? <laughs> they, they, blank ne- they, they, they blank next week as well. So, oh. No one, no one playing the game seriously should have United assets. That's my new, that's my new thing. Um, I was also going to say, and I was leading up to this, that my other big call has started to come to fruition. I know that you may not even remember what my other big call is, but it is that I think that Mane is a better asset at the moment than Salah. And I've thought this for a few weeks, and I think this may even be the case next season especially when Mane comes in a lot cheaper than Salah. He proved it last night and he's been proving it in the last couple of weeks and he plays at centre forward quite often. Well, next season he'll be at uh, Bayern Munich, mate. (laughs) Do you think so? Every podcast you say someone's at Bayern Munich. Rafinha! (laughs) I don't know, I'm just saying, I've I've seen those rumours. This is just me on my lunch break going through like Twitter and looking at uh, like transfer rumours and and stuff like that. And again, I, I, I saw this yesterday when I was on my lunch break at work and I saw, you know, it, it flashed up on my phone that there were rumours that Bayern Munich would be in for the likes of Mane. And I think uh, Jamie Carragher last night jokingly said that if, if Mane wants to leave, he'll, he'll have to go through me. So I think, you know, although for the majority of the time that Mane's been at Liverpool, you know, obviously before they bought Salah, he was that sort of main player for them up up top as well. But I think while Salah's been there, he has been the sort of overlooked player, not just in FPL, but I think in in the the sort of star quality on that side. You always hear people talk about Salah, but he is very much the the understated person in that side, and and you know he puts in just as much of a shift as Salah does as well. So, yeah, I mean, I think depending on the pricing, depending on whether or not Salah changes to striker position, then there will maybe have to be some decisions to be made about whether or not Salah is actually that Liverpool player that you want to have in your side, uh, certainly from an attacking point of view. But yeah, I mean, Mane has certainly been the understated Liverpool player for for this season, as as has the likes of Jota. And I think, you know, even Luis Diaz as well. Luis Diaz, even though he's only been at that side since January, he has been just a breath of fresh air, I think, as well. And And I think if he can sort of nailed down a starting berth in that side, he could be one to watch for next season as well. Absolutely. Absolutely. Although I heard he's probably on his way to Bayern Munich, so <laughs> might not be available next season. I'll ask you a rhetorical question. I'm not, I'm not necessarily looking for an answer before we move on. Can you remember Salah ever scoring a big goal or doing a big thing for, for Liverpool? Because personally, I know he must have scored the penalty against Spurs in that Champions League final. But I actually only remember Mane winning it. I don't remember Salah converting it. And Mane tends to pop up at the end of the season when it matters for Liverpool. And he scores the goals like he scored last night. The the winning goal that's kept their title hopes alive as they've beaten Aston Villa 2-1. Just something, just something to think about as I ramp up my Mane in agenda as we move towards sort of the end of this season and, and the beginning of next. Because that agenda will be in full flow when we get round to it. And... I can't wait, Jack, to have a conversation about Haaland versus Mane versus everyone else with you, um, where we go our separate ways and I pick Mane regardless. Speaking of, 
in the news, um, it's not only Bayern Munich who are buying big players and making massive transfers. It's other teams that are also embarrassingly eliminated from the Champions League, um, such as Man City, who have just shelled out £60 million on Erling Haaland. I think we spoke about this before. We've definitely mentioned it. It's going to completely depend on his price and whether you reckon he'll be injured or not or eased in or not as to whether you get him next season. But I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty excited about it. It's nice to see good players in the Prem. What do you think, Jack? Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's definitely going to throw a spanner in the works in terms of, you know, the sort of premium forward options and, and wanting to make that decision between the likes of him and Kane and, and maybe even Ronaldo as well might come into the mix if he is at, at United next season and if United under Ten Hag actually look better than they have uh, throughout the course of this season. As you say, it does very much depend on his price. I think pre-season will definitely play a factor as well, you know, that and the fact that there has been, again, murmurings that Gabriel Jesus might be on his way out to really cement Haaland as that main number nine in that side. Yes, I know that City, throughout the course of this season, have very rarely played with an out-and-out number nine. They they had Aguero for, what was it, eight seasons, nine seasons, whatever it was, and he was just electric. So people who say that, you know, he won't suit the way that City play or, or you know, City aren't used to playing with a striker. They they most certainly are. They just haven't done it in a while and it might take some time to, to readapt. But I think, honestly, 60 million for Haaland, one of the best strikers in world football, 21 years old, and he's only 60 million. And, and you know, you get, you get money thrown about, obviously, City bought Grealish for 100 million. It's not worked out for him. We, we saw a few seasons back, Barcelona shell out God knows how much money for Usmane Dembele and it's not quite worked out for him in the way that a lot of people would have uh, hoped and expected. You obviously hear rumours about Real Madrid going all in for the likes of Mbappe and you know I think Mbappe and Haaland will be those two creme de la creme strikers for, for years to come. But I just think you know 60 million is an absolute bargain. It does seem that way doesn't it? I wonder if his injury record play the part in that obviously I understand you know it's not just the 60 million and I think post like agents fees and everything it will probably take it up to around about 80 million and then I think he's going to be on the same amount of uh, money as the likes of KDB I think 375k a week which I mean on the face of it is a lot of money but it's still not as much as some of these other big players across Europe are, are earning as well so yeah I, I honestly I just think it's it's a very shrewd transfer. I think with the likes of City missing out on Kane last summer, you sort of knew where Pep Guardiola's head was at in terms of how he wanted the team to play. And he wanted to have a, a focal striker in that side. And honestly, if he hits the ground running and is relatively decently priced, if he's like 11, 11.5, I think he would very much be enticing to a lot of FPL managers. I, I agree with that. And I'm just excited for like the repercussions that it has on players like Kane and Son and KDB and Salah and Mane. You can't have them all. And it will be fun to hopefully have a big premium roller coaster next season, provided that we get the calls right. Because um, <laughs> if we get it wrong, it'll be, it'll be quite a sad affair, won't it, Jack? It'll be very... It'll be like when we both got Werner at the start of uh, a couple seasons back. <laughs> so the game week is still in process. 
process. Yeah, the game week's still happening. There's been a couple of, of pretty good results so far. I mean, in terms of football, there's been some very disappointing results as well, actually. Um, we mentioned that Brighton have battered United 4-0. Quality result. Chelsea got a draw with Wolves, which was quite disappointing, but uh, probably doesn't impact their top four hopes too much. Liverpool drew 1-1 with Spurs in quite an exciting game, actually. Um, we mentioned that Salah obviously didn't return this week. The Liverpool defenders didn't return either, um, except Van Dijk and Matip. The big returner in that game was Son, who scored a quality goal against Liverpool. And I don't know, I don't know if Spurs necessarily have a hope of top four. We'll we'll be able to talk about it, I suppose, after the North London derby. But that game in particular, Jack, I'll ask you about. Well, what did you think? Did you, did you think that Liverpool sort of threw the title away now, that they... Uh, have dropped to potentially three points behind City if City win their game in hand after they pumped Newcastle? Or do you think that maybe Liverpool can still do it? It's very much City's title to lose, isn't it? As you say, you know, they've, they've got a game in hand. I'm going to sound like Michael Owen, but all that Liverpool can do right now is just win games. You know, they, they, they have to keep winning games to even stand a chance at uh, securing the Premier League title this season. From a Spurs point of view, that game, I honestly think that they could have potentially nicked it. I know that they had quite a few chances as well in that game and, and obviously it would have been nice to get some more returns from Son but I am happy that, that he did uh, score a goal. I am also happy that Liverpool scored because it did wipe out the Sessegnon clean sheet and, and Sessegnon with the assist on the Son goal as well and, and that would have been quite detrimental to to me. I mean, I don't think Sessegnon's that highly owned to be honest, but you know, uh, it is nice to have one of your players have their clean sheets wiped out, of course. Ah, oh, yeah, I forgot to mention the Sessegnon assist. I only support your wins. You <laughs> revel in my losses. <laughs> but you know what? I think um, it really does just pile the pressure on City now. Um, City know that if, if they do slip up, then there is really going to be a title fight for the last uh, couple of games of the season because I think, I think what is it, City have maybe a slightly better goal difference. I think they're only a, a few goals ahead in terms of goal difference. And I was reading an article as well earlier in the, on in the week and I don't know how, I don't actually know how true it is and, and, and how it would actually play out. But people were sort of calculating the sort of possibility of there being a Premier League title playoff because because they're so close in terms of all of their stats, really. I mean, they're currently on the same amount of points. Liverpool have won one less game. They've both scored the exact same amount of goals. Liverpool conceded three more, and that's where that goal difference difference is. There could be a very, very small possibility that the likes of Man City and Liverpool have to play some kind of Premier League playoff if if results go not in the favour of Liverpool, but if results happen how they need to happen for that to happen. I know I've just, <laughs> I know I've probably just lost everyone talking about that. <laughs> That's amazing. But uh, yeah, I mean, that would be crazy. I think Wolves, Wolves are certainly not going to make it easy for the likes of City this evening. We saw their comeback draw, Connor Cody scoring in what has to be the last couple of minutes of that game against Chelsea. And yeah, I think uh, it's all to play for. City know that they just have to keep winning games and keep doing what they do best and, and scoring goals. And yeah, it's uh, going to come down to the wire, but it is it is still very much alive for Liverpool. But on the flip side of that, Liverpool could still end up with only the Carabao Cup 
to their name at the end of the season. You know, they've got the FA Cup coming up this weekend. They're in the Champions League final, obviously, and they are behind City in, in the Premier League. So they could only end up winning the Carabao Cup, which I think for a lot of Liverpool fans would be a bit frustrating, especially because, you know, they are still technically on course for a historic quadruple. Yeah, to, to make three cup finals and to, well, I'm going to say four technically cup finals, right? Because I think I think being this close in the league at this start, this part of the season, that's that's effectively a cup final, isn't it? They they lost their, they they lost their first cup final one one to Spurs. Um, they could lose to Chelsea and they could lose to Real Madrid as well. Um, I think it's neat that the last time they lost in the FA Cup final was to Chelsea, and the last time they lost in the Champions League final was to Real Madrid as well. So either they're going to go on a full on revenge tour. Or they will, yeah, end the season disappointingly. I love that you mentioned Wolves v Man City, by the way, which is this evening. It's just a shame that the man who hates Man City the most now plays at Barcelona. And that's, of course, Adama Traore, who would get a goal in every single fixture against Man City, it felt like. <laughs> so um, Raul Jimenez, the, the Jimenez erection will have to... <laughs> it's still coming. It's still coming. We've got to wait until potentially the very end of the season. Um, but it is on its way. We'll see what Jimenez has to offer this evening, won't we? In other news, on Sunday, uh, we mentioned it already. Arsenal beat Leeds 2-1 and and West Ham pumped Norwich, uh, another single game week team West Ham, who people sort of overlooked their assets. They didn't really think about Bowen or, or Antonio, Ben Rama even, who also scored two goals. Maybe, I don't know, maybe in another world we should have considered West Ham assets, but uh, it wasn't to be. And then... The most disappointing and the last result that I want to talk about is that Everton beat Leicester 2-1. It killed our Leicester clean sheet, which is a bit of a shame. Schmeichel only got one point in that game. But more than that, with Burnley losing to Aston Villa and Leeds losing to Arsenal, it sort of means that Everton are probably safe now and that it's between Burnley and Leeds. It's just, oh, it's just so dis- I can't stand Everton. I wouldn't necessarily say that Everton are safe. I think it is still, I mean, it's, it's still very tight between those three teams. You know, obviously with Watford losing against Crystal Palace, that, that they'd confirm their relegation from the Premier League along with the likes of Norwich. But I think it is very tight between the likes of Leeds, Burnley and Everton. Obviously, there's only one point separating those three teams. Yes, Everton have a game in hand and, you know, it would do them the world of good if they can uh, win this evening against uh, Watford. But... Yeah, I think uh I think it is very much still all to play for. Um if if Everton if Everton do beat Watford, you know, they will move on to thirty eight points and no team has ever been relegated with thirty eight points. So I get where you're coming from, but it is still only a four point gap between the two teams behind them and yes, Leeds are playing again this evening. Burnley are not, so you know, Burnley will have it all to play for. And yeah, I mean, we just have to wait and see, to be honest. Like I said last podcast, it is really coming down to the wire at at both ends of the table. And I feel like Everton certainly have shown a lot more fight, as it were, to try and stay in the Premier League. And of course, Everton, one of three teams who not only play twice this week, but will also play twice next week. And, and, you know, that's perhaps something that that, that we should talk about because, you know, moving into game week 37, obviously... We are still in 36 and, and we will be keeping an eye on the games that happen this evening. But in game week 37, the likes of 
Palace, Villa and Everton all play twice. And I think that this is where we're both at. I think we both have two free transfers going into game week 37. I'm fairly certain that you rolled a transfer uh, last week. Yeah, what, what what are your thoughts going into game week 37? I, I know it's, it seems like it's it's an age away because we are still in the middle of a game week. And it's a bit of a weird game week as well because there are no Saturday games. Um, obviously, is the FA Cup on the Saturday? I think it might be on the Saturday, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so... I think the FA Cup's on the Saturday in the afternoon, yeah. And then there's Eurovision as well, so you can't have oh, yes, on during the Eurovision. You cannot. <laughs> you, I, how could I forget? How could I scheduling, forget? Scheduling nightmare. <laughs> there's so much crossover between football fans and Eurovision. <laughs> I mean, it does obviously give us a bit more time in terms of, you know, making changes to our sides. I think what it's a bit difficult to do is... So, so obviously, we were talking about this earlier earlier today, in fact about you know what to do with Chelsea defensive assets there's there were as you mentioned Alonso got subbed off at half time and then there were reports about how him and Tuchel had some kind of argument um and and Alonso obviously clearly not happy to be subbed off at half time in in their first game of the game week and you know we'll have to wait and see whether or not he starts this evening i mean i don't i don't really think that Chelsea really have too many Better options at left back at the moment. Obviously, Chilwell still out. So, you and I have Rhys James. Rudiger maybe has his mind set on next season where he's going to be playing at Real Madrid. I think that there's been, you know, he he is going to be a free transfer from from Chelsea to Real Madrid, and, and I think that he has agreed in principle to to move there on a four year contract. And and to be honest, Chelsea recently just haven't looked great defensively, and it's a bit of a tricky one because. Any other day of the week, having a top four defender in your side, you you say, yeah, why not? But with the way that Chelsea have been playing, with the way that Tuchel likes to rotate his uh, fullbacks at times this season, and Reese James has just been a bit off the boil as well. There's going to be some decisions to be made, whether or not you want to bring in a double game week defender for the likes of Reese James. Um, I think that we are both potentially going to be targeting some double game week players, maybe at least one, if not two getting down to that part of the season where I feel like certainly even even though you know I'm still firmly inside the top 50k it's getting down to that point where you maybe want to take a bit more risks or, or maybe you are a bit more open to taking risks with with your transfers because there's not long left in the season then you're perhaps not I wouldn't say taking the game seriously but you're just having a bit of fun with it with the, in the in the final two game weeks yeah I I, I think that you're going to have a lot of fun. I, I've heard some of your murmurings and I'll, I'll let you sort of talk about your plans in a second. To answer your question, Jack, I've got my plans. My plans are to move on Mount, as, as you just mentioned, Chelsea assets seem dodgy at the moment. Um, I think that personally, having a team where half the def- over half the defence is leaving for free in the summer with a bunch of injuries and a bunch of people who aren't happy. I mean, Alonso falls out with every manager is a recipe for disaster and conceding goals. So it's going to have to be attacking returns for James, I think, moving forwards, who sometimes plays as a right centre-back instead of a right, right wing-back. So not not very enticing. Um, yeah, and it just makes me so sad to think that... Imagine if just any manager of the last four years had binned off Alonso and had brought in Kukurea or any any left wing-back that's that's got quality. You know, they're out there. They're out there. Anyway, my plan, 
to move on Mount, um, swap him for potentially Gordon, who is quite a cheap enabling Everton attacker. I think he plays quite far forwards, uh, especially for a 4.5 midfielder, right? Um, definitely an option. Zaha's looking good, but not not as hot because Crystal Palace just don't have anything to play for. And then there's the Aston Villa midfielders like Buendia. I was going to say Douglas Louise, but I think he only pops up to score goals when you don't want him to score goals. <laughs> so not him, but, but maybe Coutinho as well. Um, and then if I've bought a budget midfielder, the plan is to upgrade my donkey up front because at the moment I just roll with a system where I don't actually have a forward. <laughs> I just have a donkey. Um, and to upgrade them to any Everton, Palace or maybe Leicester. Everton, Palace, Leicester or or Villa striker. Um, Watkins looks looks enticing. Iannaccio, Dakar. Those are all potentials. You've obviously just name-dropped a player that, that I'm looking at and, and someone that I talked about last week in terms of... Well, yeah, I'll, I'll end I'll end my ideas and I'll let you tell me what you're thinking, Jack. I'm just, I'm just saying, I'm just going to give you like a suggestion as, you know, someone, if you can stretch your budget that far and, and someone that maybe, look, I understand that, you know, he's not played for, for a lot of the season. Um, but obviously you name-dropped Wilfred Zaha, who's someone that I talked about last week. And now all of a sudden, you know, he scores a goal uh, that gets Watford relegated, albeit a penalty. Yeah, a, pen- a penalty. You say it's goal is... is... No, but it's not that. It's, it's that... I, I, don't, I, I don't know if you do this. You always sort of think about a player that you want to bring into your side. And you're like, oh, this could be a very shrewd pick. And then he does something like that. And then he's got a double game week in 37. And then suddenly everyone's talking about him. And you're like, well... It's not. It's not going to be such a shrewd pick anymore, is it? Because now everyone's talking about him. I mean, he is that main man for Palace. Yes, I, I get it. They're on the beach, whatever you want to call it. You know, they don't really have anything to play for this season. They're safe. They're not going to be fighting for a European spot. But I still think that Zaha, being that talisman in that side, having penalties in his back pocket as well, is very much a, a, a good way to go if you're looking for a player to to bring in if you can afford it. Um, for Double Game Week 37. A player that I want to pose to you, so to speak. Someone who, as I say, he's not played a lot of the season and uh, you know he has struggled with injury not only this season but over the last uh, couple of seasons. And that's Jamie Vardy. He does seem to maybe be working his way back into that side. Obviously, limited minutes of late, but he is coming back from an injury. They do play Norwich this evening. Um, whether or not he'll start that game remains to be seen. But if he does, he's 10.3 million, only owned by 8.6%. And Leicester's double game week next week, Watford away, Chelsea away, yes, two away games. Vardy loves to score in big games. Uh, you know, games against these big opposition who are fighting for, for a top four spot. And he may be a bit past his day, but... Could, it could work out, mate. Yeah, it could work out. And I really do like targeting Norwich. I feel like Operation Target Norwich is something we should have paid more attention to this season. I personally don't think I can stretch to Vardy. But as I said, Dakar and Iannaccio, it's very likely I pick one of them. Or, oh, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I actually, I just realised I can't target Norwich. You made me feel like I could target Norwich there for a second, Jack. I can't target Norwich. No, you can't. Yeah. <laughs> That's such a shame. Um, and I'm not getting in a Wolves attacker to to target. Oh, maybe I could. Him in a direction, mate. You have to do it. 
You have to do it. <laughs> so, so Norwich's games that they have left are against Wolves and then against Spurs. I already own double Spurs, which feels like quite a genius move for me. Maybe it is. Really? Yeah, I own Sessing on Son. No, no, no. I mean, is it a genius move when your defender's just not keeping clean sheets? Well, he gets assists, baby. <laughs> um, so maybe mount down and Jimenez in and end the season with a bit of a meme. I could do that. I'll, I'll, <laughs> that actually feels like a totally reasonably fine thing, like a thing to do. Especially if, if Norwich is Wolves' next fixture. The Jimenez erection is so on the cards, Jack. <laughs> he, he has Man City, Norwich and Liverpool. That, that screams grandstand finish to me. That screams grandstand finish. I've been very much contemplating uh, several moves, as I, as I always do throughout the week, leading up to us recording and, and leading up to the deadline as well. I always sort of play around with my team and, and see what kind of moves I can make. And, you know, in a similar vein to you, I am looking at ditching the likes of Mason Mount. You know, he obviously, as you mentioned earlier, was rested for the first game of the double game week. Hopefully he plays against Leeds tonight. Um, you know, that Leeds game is very much a fixture that this season FPL managers have been targeting. And I think that Mason Mount, the way that he plays and, and the way that he has played throughout the course of this season, you know, he scored 10 goals, got 10 assists, and he's been by far and away the best Chelsea player for a lot of the games that he has played this season. I, I look at my side... And really, it would be between him and Saka. And I think the fact that Mount is, you know, almost a million cheaper, or a million more expensive, rather, and he does get rotated, and, and Tuchel has rotated him out of his squad, as, as we have seen. And he, it could be he could be on a chopping block. Um, I think it would take very, it would take something very special from him this evening for for me to think about keeping him in my team for the final couple of game weeks. I am obviously looking to bring in Zaha, as I've as I've mentioned. I am potentially looking at dropping Reese James. It, it could happen. I mean, stranger things have happened. Getting Sesson on, mate, for that big Norwich game at the end of the season. Come on, come on, getting Sesson on for the big Norwich game. <laughs> I'm looking at it. Obviously, for me, and, and I know a lot of FPL managers will be, FPL managers who have the second free hit remaining, We'll be activating it in Game Week 37 to try and target the double. But I feel like, for me, I just want to go out on a whim in Game Week 38 and, and bring in players into my team who I might not potentially have in my team at other points in the season. Um, so I think that's still my plan is to save it until 38 and, and just uh, yeah, just go balls to the wall with it, really. And, and uh, like I say, bring in, bring in maybe even Mane, mate. Maybe even Mane. Maybe I might even uh, dip my toes in the Mane pool. I'm in two minds. Because I could just do a simple two transfers, take no minus points and ditch Mount for Gordon and upgrade Gelhart to Richarlison. But I don't know. And I've said this before as well. I don't know how comfortable I would be with having two Everton players on my side. And I get it. They're on a good run of form at the moment and they are fighting for their life. But I just don't know how comfortable I would be with that. And then it would also, like, all of these moves I have in mind also always leave me with a bit of a dilemma as to who the hell am I going to be benching in this game week? Because if I keep Reese James, am I going to bench him? I mean, I've got Cash who plays twice, so quite... I mean, he's played twice this week and he's not kept any clean sheets or, or got any returns. Fair enough, but he does play twice, so there is that potential to, to get 
you know, attacking returns and, and clean sheet points. My other four defenders are James Robertson, Trent and Cancelo. And I'm not, I know Liverpool looked a bit lax defensively, but I'm not going to be dropping Robertson and, and Trent for someone like Tyreek Mitchell, say, or, or a Crystal Palace defender or an Everton defender. Not, not, in a, not in a million years. I think it really comes down to, do I want to bench Reese James? And to be honest, I, th- I feel like I could be happy with doing that because Chelsea's not been great defensively. He's not really looked that great on the right-hand side. He has been making runs, but the final ball hasn't quite been there as it was uh, earlier on in the season. So yeah, I'm in a bit of two minds. I do definitely want to bring in Zaha. I might even captain him going into game week 37. I know it's a bit of a rogue shout, and I know that you know there are going to be a lot of single game week players who could potentially outscore him and, and probably will potentially outscore him. You know, the likes of Salah against the Southampton side who have just looked, well, again, on the beach, down on the South Coast, relaxing, um, so to speak. So, and, and, you know, Son at home against Burnley. Burnley a side who don't look good defensively either. Not, not of late, at least. So, I'm in a bit of two minds. I feel like I'm definitely going to make at least two transfers and I'm definitely going to bring in Wilfred Zaha. I might... Take a minus four. Who knows? Oh, I love it, Jack. I love the the potential. I think I think it could be Iannaccio for me. Although the captain, again, could be Iannaccio. Could be Jimenez if I bring him in against Norwich or or Foden again or Salah. I'm I honestly I haven't even thought about it yet. I it will depend on my transfers because it might be that I bring in a player that I want to captain, but it'll also depend on on the team that Man City field. Um, this evening in their game and and whether anyone's injured or or who whether it looks like Foden's going to start against West Ham you know so for me captaincy completely out the window um, and it sounds like yours is too I, I think you should do it I think if you're going to bring in Zaha you're bringing him in because you believe he will get points right and you're bringing him in because you believe for, for 37 with a double being one of the only players who has a double you think he's going to score well double down on it captain him I say you might as well, right? He's on the penalties, as you said. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, look, who knows? Who knows? It might be a, it might be a flip of the coin on Sunday morning. After, of course, I'm going to be, you know, drinking and and singing away, watching Eurovision on on Saturday night. So, you know, who knows? <laughs> Are you actually... Who knows? I, I don't know, mate. Who knows? <laughs> that's that's brilliant. I I mean, while I'm on while I'm on a hot streak with Gelstar and Mane doing well. I'm going to go on a real limb here, Jack. And I think I think Ukraine might win Eurovision. Oh yeah, of don't course. know why. <laughs> just just a cheeky punt there from me. So I think we'll end on that bombshell. I think I've got a better bombshell to end on. Then. Oh yeah, go for it. You usurp me, baby. Well, the Chelsea game kicks off in an hour, and the lineups have just been released, and uh, it's Gel No Star. Ah, oh, it's Gel No Star. <laughs> that is. Frankly, Mason Mount and Reese James do, however, start. Oh, does Alonso start? Let's end there. Yes. Well, there we go, everyone. Alonso hasn't fallen out with with Tuchel, and Gel 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 no starts career is already over <laughs> before it had even begun. That's such a shame. Catch us next week, and thank you very much for listening.